I love when God interrupts things. Do you make room in your life for God to interrupt you? Have you scheduled your day, overscheduled your day? I know what that feels like. That you realize you had time for everything, but maybe not time for the Lord to meet you, to interrupt you, to give you a divine appointment. We need that. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me to Galatians chapter 3? We're in a series of messages, and the title of this series is Viral. And the idea behind it is it's about faith moving fast. It's about a season that I believe God is bringing us into as a church. I just believe that God works in seasons just like we see the world work in seasons. And this right now is a season. My wife and I drove through the fields of uh, Pennsylvania this last week, and we were out there for a day, and we saw all the corn growing. We saw um, some fields that had a lot going on and some fields that were completely chopped down. And you know why? Because it's a season of harvest. And my wife and I got to asking questions about how you harvest certain things. And I know one of the questions at my family table right now is how you harvest corn. Do you cut it all down? And like, how do you get the corn off there? Because I mean, I'm looking at millions of heads of corn. And I'm thinking they don't just walk through the field and pick all those off. So if anyone knows how you harvest corn, we tried uh, Googling it, but we, I guess, got distracted. So, uh, so we're looking into that. We're asking those questions. How do you harvest certain things? And I just believe that spiritually it's a season of harvest, church. I believe that everything we're seeing, everything that's happening in the world around us, these kinds of things, they're just pointing the way towards Jesus more and more and more. I think it's more and more reminders that Jesus is truly the answer to every ailment in this life. Jesus is the answer to every circumstance that we face. Jesus is the answer to everything that we see that can be broken and hurting in this world. One example of that is what we're seeing in all the hurricanes that have happened around the world right now. All these natural disasters that are taking place, they just put out a study and the results of it were incredible. They were studying where all the aid was coming from to meet all of these needs. Do you know at the last time that I saw the report, it said that 80%, 80% of all the relief supplies that were going out, all of the aid that has been given, 80% was coming from faith-based organizations like Convoy of Hope, that the body of Christ was leading the way around the world when it came to responding. You know why? Because we know Jesus is the answer. Jesus gives us a heart that will be willing to give, willing to be going above and beyond to do whatever we can in his name. Church, I want to applaud you and, and thank you for having a generous heart. As, as of this date, we've given away as a church about $65,000 to Convoy of Hope to go towards the multiple uh, hurricane reliefs and natural disasters that are happening around the world. And when that happens, I want you to know our faith is going out. It's not just our resources, not just we're giving and someone's going to receive supplies. They're going to receive what they receive in Jesus' name. And you know what happens when that happens? The seed of the gospel is being planted in that place. And I want you to know that that's going to bear fruit in a due season. So just in the same way that it's planted, and we've been doing that for a long time, you know what happens when you plant? You know what you can expect? You could expect a harvest when you've planted well. You know you can expect a harvest when you've done it and you've been faithful and continued. Jesus said, whenever that seed hits that soil and the right soil, it could be a, a, a harvest a hundredfold. 
It could go so much further than you could ever imagine. Some of you, and we saw it in first service, and you'll be able to do it right after. You're going to stop out there in the foyer. You're going to pick up a shoebox for Operation Christmas Child. And we're going to be sending this year. There will be, not just from our church, but all the churches around America and around the world, there will be millions of shoeboxes that are going to spread out to the remotest parts of our world. And every child will receive a box with gifts in it at Christmas time. But they're not just going to receive that. They're going to receive the gospel packed in that box. They're going to receive the hope of Christ, that they can know that there's a God who loves them, who sees them, who recognizes them. Some of them, they feel like they don't have value, but in that moment, they're going to recognize that God sees them, loves them, and wants to have a relationship with them. You know what that will produce? A harvest. This series is about harvest. This series viral is about our faith going out and lives being changed as a result of what Jesus has done in me. Because here's what I want you to know. What God has done in you can't stay with you. It can't remain in you. It's not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be shown. It's meant to be shined out of your life so others can see God. And that's what's so amazing about what we're about to walk through. We're going to go back in God's word. We're going to look at the gospels and in these key passages of scripture. And we're going to see in the early church how the word, the good news about Jesus spread far and wide. We're going to look at the way that Jesus loved people and met people and shared the good news of the kingdom with them and how the early church followed that example. And church, I want us to go back 2,000 years. There's some things that we don't want the same thing they had 2,000 years ago. I'll tell you this. I don't want the, the restroom that they had 2,000 years ago. I don't want to have the kitchen they had 2,000 years ago. I don't want to have a lot of things we see from 2,000 years ago. But here's what I want from 2,000 years ago. I want to share Jesus the way they shared Jesus. I think that we've lost something. I think we're missing something. I think there's something that has kind of waned in us over a couple of thousands of years that needs to be reignited by the power of the Holy Spirit so that our faith can go viral. I love our media team. Uh, can we give some love to our, to our guys? I just like... I, this may not have anything to do with the sermon. I just kind of want to show the bumper for it that they worked on. So they, they, is that okay? Can, we, can I show you a video? All right. I, I love these. I love our guys on the media team and our, and our ladies. They, they put together such creative stuff. They help put together this book for you. Um, but also, thinking about viral... It was really coming off of the idea that there's so many things that go viral in social media and news. It just spreads out far and wide. But what would it look like for faith to do the same thing? And so I want to show you this kind of introductory clip. This is something that's going to introduce us to this idea and continue to tie in to the series and where we're heading. So take a look at it. Someone posted this picture of this young guy and it's going viral. told you, man, they're creative. You could see in the same way, I mean, what, the things that get shared, it's like so much silly stuff out there, and it'll get millions and millions of views, but what would it look like 
if we began to share our faith in such a way that others caught it, that they caught on, that they sensed it, and that they saw what God was doing. We have this book, and as you're leaving today, if you walk over near the, the Operation Christmas Child area where you're picking up boxes, we have a bunch of copies of this book. I want to put it in the hand of every person that would want one today, and you could just take it home as our gift to you, especially if you take Operation Christmas Child one, uh, take one of these as well with you, and uh, look in it. This dives deeper into the series, and it walks through each of the principles of viral that we're going to be talking about. It gives you the opportunity to really think about your life and people that God has put in your life, that maybe he's giving you divine appointments. We ask every person that takes the journey, if you're in a small group, to identify five people in your life. Five people that God has placed there that don't yet know him, that perhaps the Lord's going to give you an opportunity to reach. And so pick this up, and you'll be able to do daily devotionals. You'll be able to dive deeper, get into a small group if you're not in one yet. This is what they're walking through. But I want you to have this as just a gift to you, and that you could take the journey and dive deeper into what we're going to be talking about each week. Um, I want to walk you through viral for just a moment. I want to give you the acronym, and then I want to talk a little bit about the importance of baptism in our faith going viral. So whenever we look at this, there is five principles that we're going to look at over this next month. There are five principles that our small groups are going through and diving deeper into. And they spell the word viral. And I believe these are some of the core principles we see lived out in the life and ministry of Jesus that help the gospel to go further, faster. So it's V-I-R-A-L. That's what we're going to spell. And each of those stand for a principle. The first one is value people. What we see happening, what's so beautiful about the gospel going out was that there was a different way that Jesus saw people and valued them. It was so different than the world around them. See, whenever we saw people in the scriptures, in the, in the New Testament, in the gospels, we would see those that were on the fringes of society. We see those that were sinners. We see those that were broken. We see those that had some issues. They, they had things going on in their lives, and so many had just pushed them off. They'd pushed them to the side. They'd walked past them. But when Jesus showed up, he valued them. He met them where they were. He entered into their homes. He sat with them. He talked with them. And the thing that was so revolutionary about it is that all the other religious people, they weren't talking to them. They weren't caring for them. They weren't meeting with them. They weren't valuing them. They saw them as lesser. They saw them as, as unworthy. They saw them as distant. They saw them as others. Jesus came and he broke down all those barriers and he valued them, and he met them where they were, and he healed them, and he restored them, and he spoke with them. He added value to them. Oh, Lord, help me to see people like you see people. Oh, Lord, help me to see people with your eyes. See, whenever we look out over, you can see that. There are those that you might see that you would walk by a hundred times. They're nothing like you. And you've been seeing them with the eyes of the world, maybe because they're a part of the world. But what does Jesus see when he sees them? I'm reminded of when Jesus looked out over the crowds of people. Many were sick, many were broken, many were sinners. Many were doing things that were shameful. And here's what it says. It says his heart was moved with compassion. He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. How do you see those around you? How you perceive people is how you're going to receive them. And so we need to learn to value people the way Jesus did. We need to learn to see them. Because with that, you might recognize someone that you have overlooked for so long. And the Lord says, that's a divine appointment in your life. Spend time with them. Get to know them. Connect with them. God might be working something out. The second principle is identifying common ground. We're in a, light, we're in a world right now 
or this is not the MO that anyone's operating under. We are all so focused in, so many people, look on social media, on what divides us, not what unites us, right? We're focused on our differences. We're focused on what makes us different. You will see that. You'll see things that are different and people want to live there. They want to camp there. They want to argue about that. They might have 1% of things that, they have, that they're different on and they will just give 100% of their attention to that. Here's what we see about Jesus. He breaks down barriers. He goes and sits at a well with a Samaritan woman. He sits on common ground with her. He speaks to her when no one else would have been speaking to her. He found common ground. I want you to know that if we want to see the seed of the gospel planted, we have to find some common ground to plant it in. You get what I'm saying? We can't stand 100 miles away and just throw seed. That's not very good. That doesn't work. Find common ground. You'd be amazed. We have a team that's going to Haiti. They're going to find common ground. They won't even be able to speak the language of some, maybe. They won't be able to connect when you're on mission. But you find ways to connect. You kick a soccer ball. You do something so that you can find common ground. Because in that place, there might be a receptiveness to the gospel. R is for removing obstacles. Many people, what's keeping them from a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, there are some obstacles. Here's the Here's the problem. Many of those obstacles, they're man-made obstacles. They're not, they're not God-designed obstacles. Because here, here's what I know. We do not have a God who creates a bunch of obstacles so that his people can never get to him. We have a God who has removed every obstacle in the way of a life-changing relationship with him. He has done so much that he even sent his own son to deal with the greatest obstacle that stands between us and a holy God, sin. And by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, he overcame the powers of sin and death so that you and I could have a relationship with him. But there are all these obstacles we put in place. Maybe I'm not good enough. Well, God could never receive me. No one would ever love me. I haven't done enough good things to earn my way. I can't believe in a God who sends people to hell. I love, I love how people think that about God when God has done quite the opposite. God isn't a God who sends anyone to hell. He desires for everyone to live and not perish so much that he sent his son. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, if you're going to hell, you have to step over Jesus to get there. He has sent everything that he can to stop people from going to hell. But there's an obstacle. I can't believe in it. I can't come to God. Here's what I want you to know. A part of your calling as a follower of Jesus is to help remove the obstacles that stand in the way from people coming to God. God actually says that through the prophet Isaiah. He says, clear the road. Remove every obstacle between my people and me. Isaiah 57, 14. He says, remove every obstacle so that I can meet with my people. God wants to meet people. They have these obstacles and God will use you as a mouthpiece. That there is a lie that the enemy has put in front of them. And you get to come against that with the truth of who God is. And when you speak out that truth, when you connect with them, it removes the obstacles. And they can move one step closer to coming into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you still with me, church? V-I-R-A is awe and wonder. Church, what was so amazing about Jesus wasn't just what he said, but it's what he did. It was the supernatural move of God that accompanied all of what he said. People want to say Jesus was just a great teacher, but they have to think about all the miracles. They have to think that there was a dead man in a tomb that he raised back to life. There's a blind man that received sight. It wasn't just good ideas. He came with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. 
There was an awe and wonder that accompanied. And Jesus said this, these signs will accompany those who believe. When you put your faith in Jesus, those signs are meant to continue today. Did you know that? Come on, I don't think we live that way. What would it look like for God to move and sweep through our land, to sweep through our neighborhood, to sweep through our house and move in power that we would see the miraculous happening? And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be something like, for them, for the disciples, every day, these supernatural signs would happen. And we saw that in the early church as well. And I just long, I long to see God's spirit move again in and through us so that we don't just come with wise words, but a demonstration of the spirit's power to touch, to deliver, because he's done miracles. Some of you, you're a living miracle. Put your hand up if God has worked supernaturally in your life. You've seen it. People need to know about that. That's a part of your story. Tell about the awe and wonder of God, but also when the Holy Spirit moves on hearts and lives. That's where you can sense the awe and wonder as well. This upcoming weekend, the services, the Holy Spirit conference, this is God appointed, I believe, for us right now. Because I want you to know the move of the Holy Spirit is essential for your faith going viral. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life. So make room in your schedule this next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two services, and Sunday night. Come to as much of it as you can. I believe God is going to meet us. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to meet us in a powerful way. And we're going to experience the awe and wonder of God together. That's what happened in the book of Acts, chapter 2. It says they were filled with awe and wonder because of the miraculous signs that were happening. And L is for live on mission. It's learning to live every single day of your life on mission. Knowing that God has called you to a mission field. It's not just Haiti. It's not just Uganda. It's not just the places we call our mission field. It's your next door neighbor. It's your next cubicle over. It's the next bedroom over in your house. It's somebody right in front of you. It's a family member. It's a loved one. Learn to live on mission, that every day where you set your foot, you're stepping onto a mission field, and you're living on mission, and the Lord is setting divine appointments for you. So we're going to learn how to do this, how to live, how to value people, how to connect, how to remove obstacles, how to really get back to the awe and wonder of God and the supernatural move of God in our lives, and to live every day on mission. That's viral. Are you still with me? So pick up the book and, and get ready for the journey. I believe that in small groups, that's going to be transformative. And in our Sunday services, you're going to be inspired by what God is doing. All right, you have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Say amen if you're still with me. All right. So this part of the message is really, I just want to convince every person in this room that believes in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've not yet been baptized. There is some kind of obstacle. When we talk about removing obstacles, the purpose of this point of the message is to remove some obstacles that might be there standing in the way of you taking that step to get baptized. Because I believe that there are many more people than have signed up today, that you have made a profession in your heart and with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life, but you haven't yet followed him into the waters of baptism. And each time I get up on a baptism Sunday, that's my prayer. Lord, lead a few more. Lord, lead as many as don't yet and have not yet publicly stood and said, I am a follower of Jesus. Lord, lead them to the waters of baptism today. Lord, let them take that first step to their faith going viral because I want you to know something. This is the first moment where you publicly just share and declare, I'm a follower of Jesus. This is a part of what Jesus called everyone who would follow him to do. This wasn't an option. 
option that Jesus gave. It was a commandment that he gave. That means it's something that was a regular expectation of those who believed in Jesus, that they would follow that commitment with baptism. Because it shows on the outside what God has done on the inside. Because it recognizes that you and I were a part of God's family. We're the children of God that were in Christ. It speaks to who you are, that you're loved, that you're valued. Talk about valued people. God shows us his great love that we are called the children of God. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 26, here's what it says. It says, so in Christ Jesus you are all the children of God through faith. When you put your faith in Jesus, you enter into God's family. You become one. You become a part of the family. And this shows of God's great love. This shows of his value that he sees in you as he receives you. I love what 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says. It's such great love that the Father has lavished on us that he would call us the children of God. He loves us that much. He lavishes that love on us that we are called his children. So it says that you and I were called the children of God through faith. Look at verse 27. It says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. I think about when my family and I, we go to Disney or we go somewhere. I'm not one of these adopters, but I've learned to adjust to things. How many of you, when you go on those family vacations, your family creates the shirt? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? The shirt. It's a shirt. It's all going to be the same color. It's going to be mom and dad. It's going to be all these things. And I'm like, I'm not into the shirt. I'm not feeling like I have this big Mickey Mouse dad shirt. I'm like, but it's like everyone else is wearing it. So then I got to wear it, right? I hope my wife's not watching right now online because she's going to get another shirt, I think. But you know what that does when you're wearing the shirt? It tells everyone around you who you belong to, right? When you clothe yourself with that, you are identifying yourself with them. And I want to tell you, I think there's a place for our preferences, and I think there's a place for our comforts, but I want to tell you that those who I love most, I want to identify myself with. I have a ring that I wear. It identifies the one who I'm connected to, who I love dearly. I want to tell you, whenever we start to hide those things or want to hold back, what is that saying? What is, like, what is that saying? Like, well, I don't really, uh, like, yes, I, I love you in secret, but I'm like, I don't want everyone to know. Church, there's something to overcome there, right? That we don't, need, we don't need to hold back. And I want to tell you that, especially in a place like this, whenever we're willing to stand for God together, we're just going to praise you and, and, ex, and be excited with you and celebrate what God is doing in your life. I get it. Some of you, if you stand up in the middle of your office on tomorrow and you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus. I want everyone to, they're going to just look at you. They're going to be quiet. Maybe they're going to be like, oh, okay. Um, but that's not going to happen here. And it's here that we can find encouragement, that we can encourage one another. We can spur one another on, as the Bible says, towards love and good works. So baptism is all about identification. It says that whenever you're baptized, you're clothing yourself with Jesus. It means that you're willing to show on the outside who you belong to on the inside. You begin to tell on the outside what's happened in your heart on the inside. So you say on the outside when you're being baptized, you're showing something deep and transformative has happened inside of my heart and inside of my life. And I want you to know on the outside, I want you to recognize I'm with them. I'm wearing the shirt. And literally, it's funny, you're going to put on a shirt. And what does the shirt say? 
I'm a changed life, Romans 6, 4. It's saying, I have been changed. I'm no longer who I used to be. I belong to Jesus now, and I'm his follower. So when we do that, it's about identification. Here's the problem with baptism. For some, you've made it all about preparation. You say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of step. I, I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I memorized enough. I don't, I don't know if I, I've taken all the steps. And, and unfortunately, over 2,000 years, the church and all of our denominations and all of our different ways have made this really complicated, unfortunately. It was very simple in the beginning. Here it was. There's some water. What keeps you from being baptized? Nothing. Now you'll go say, it's like, what keeps me? Well, you've got to do the class. You've got to do this thing. Gotta, I said, we got to get, well, we got to get back to the beginning. That's why we give everyone an opportunity in this moment to come and find the water because we can't put these obstacles in front of people. As James says, we shouldn't make it difficult for those that are coming to Christ. So if you are in a place where Jesus is Lord of your life, when they made a commitment and a confession that Jesus was Lord of their life, they immediately followed that with baptism. It says they, they believed and were baptized. They believed and were baptized. And then shortly after that, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. This weren't, these weren't decades away from each other. They were all within the same period of time. What would it look like this week? You put your faith in Christ, baptized, maybe even filled with the Holy Spirit. All those things happening in a very short period of time. That feels like the early church. That feels like revival. That feels like what we want to and pray for as the people of God. So we're willing to clothe ourselves with Christ. We think it's about preparation. It's important that our heart is prepared. And what that means is that you're, you've committed yourself to follow Jesus. This isn't an option. This is it. You're like, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I put my faith in him. Don't let anything else stand in the way. Because here's what I know. If it doesn't happen soon after you, after you put your faith in Christ, it normally takes a long time. And a year turns into 10 years. And there was someone just got baptized. 16 years he had been waiting. And he realized every year it just got harder and harder. Because then he said what happened, he was saying, is then it's like, well, everyone's going to think it's so weird because I've been following the Lord for a while. And if I get up, then what are they? Don't let any of those are more obstacles that just get put in front of you. Don't let any of that there. I, I'll, I will rejoice with heaven for the person that's been 30 decades in the faith that's going to get baptized. I'm like, yes, praise God. Praise God, because God's going to do something new in your life through this step that you're taking. So don't let that hold you back. It's about identification. It is an outward sign of an inward transformation. It's an outward sign of what God has done for you on the inside. And I want you to know it identifies you as the children of God. And I, and I love that in the midst of this, right after that passage, here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. He said, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There's not male nor female. We're all one in Christ. Baptism reminds us that we're all one. It reminds us that we're part of one body, that we are part of, that we are one. There's something so beautiful and unifying. You know why? Because there are people from every tribe, nation, and tongue that enter into the waters of baptism. And what we see is that at the foot of Calvary, it's level. We're all together. We're all one in Christ. As Paul says to the church in Ephesus, there's one body, one spirit. You're called with one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all. Pastor, come on up. Today's the day for you to get baptized. Today's the day for you to take that step, for you to enter into the waters. And I'm believing for anyone who has not yet done that. I want to tell you, we ordered a lot of shirts. We got enough. Don't you worry. We got clothes. We got pants. We got everything you could need 
And we're live streaming it right now. So you don't have to worry what someone might think. So in any moment, in in this moment, when I give the opportunity, I want you to get to your feet and I want you to step out and take that step. Baptism is not an optional step for a believer. It's an essential step. Four reasons why you need to do this. Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus commanded that we would be baptized. So maybe I should only give you that one because that's it. Jesus said it, that does it. He commanded that his followers be baptized. And so this is an essential step for you to take. It shows the world that you're a believer in Jesus. And it shows the world that we know Jesus and we love him. Romans 6, 4, it says when we're baptized, this is what we're about to see in just a moment. It says that when we're baptized, you're buried with Jesus through baptism into death. Romans 6, 4, what's on every shirt. So we're baptized with Jesus into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead, we too, to the glory of God the Father, are also raised so that we now may live new lives. It says we died, we're buried with Christ. When you're going under the water, it's like you're being buried with Jesus. And just as Christ was raised, you also are raised by his glorious power. So today's the day. Today's the day we get to celebrate this incredible work of baptism. And for you, if you've never taken that step, today's the day for you to make that step. Again, we have everything you need. So let's all stand to our feet right now all of us in this room, and we're just going to prepare our our hearts right now, and I just want to pray. And I want to pray for you, and I want you, as you're going uh, in just a moment, I just want to pray for every person in, in this moment as you're standing, and for every heart that would respond to him. Lord, I just pray, Lord, you see every heart, you see where we are, Lord, and you see that there's water here, and then there's an opportunity for people to publicly declare that they're a follower of yours. And we just pray, Lord God, that you'd be glorified through this, that, Lord, you'd work and you'd inspire hearts, Lord God, through this moment today, that you'd bring people to a new place, Lord God, in their walk with you as they're willing to step forward, Lord God, and be baptized. So I pray for every heart, Lord God. I pray for those that would feel nervous, Lord God. I pray that there would be no obstacle that would stand in the way of them responding to you. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray. And God said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God together? If today's the day and you're being baptized, would you head out right now? Step out of the doors, connect with Pastor Bobby and church. Let's celebrate with those that are going. Come on, let's give it up for those that are taking that step today. All right, you can be seated. As you remember, we didn't give you any announcements yet um, and we haven't received the offering. So I'm gonna kick it right over to the announcement video. You could see what's going on here at Evangel. Pastor Ron's gonna come up, pray for the offering, and then we're gonna worship some before we see you in the baptism tank. At any time, if you feel prompted to go, step out of your seats and we're ready for you to, uh, to be baptized. God bless you.